Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise and create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today. This is Kevin Brooker. Welcome to Cruising Through Retirement. You know that old saying, happy wife, happy life? Well, retirement planning is certainly no exception to this rule. So on today's show, we've got some tips for you and your spouse so that you can both walk away happy. You found Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. Kevin is an investment advisor representative with more than 30 years experience. He's helped thousands of people cruise through retirement, and he'd be happy to help you too. Stick around for today's adventure on Cruising Through Retirement. Hey, welcome in, everybody. This is Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Kevin is a, an independent. He's a, a fiduciary, been helping folks for more than 30 years getting to and through retirement. You'll find him at silverleaffinancial.com, silverleaffinancial.com. He is an author of The Millionaire's Guide to Tax-Free Money for Long-Term Care. That, too, is available at silverleaffinancial.com. Hey, Kevin, what's going on? Oh, it is always good to be here, Steve. And uh, guys, we have, please check out the website. Uh, you can request the book for free. I just need your name and email address. I can email you a copy. Or uh, if you'd like me to mail you a physical copy, I'm happy to do that as well. But there's no obligation. Uh, and you can find some ideas in that book. If you're thinking about long-term care at all, you should take a look at this book. It's relatively easy read. And uh, But we've got some ideas in there that can show you uh, how we can position, reposition assets that you already have uh, and, and so is that so that if you do need to spend money on long-term care, you can do it on a tax-free basis. Now, who wouldn't want that, right? You can save 20, 30, maybe 40%, depending on your tax bracket. Um, you know, so take a look at it and uh, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to answer any questions. Mike. All right. That's, I mean, that sounds great. And uh, you're right. The book is a pretty easy read, folks, and you will learn um, a bit more about long-term care and what it is and really what it isn't, I think. Yes, exactly. And and, and there's a lot of different types of long-term oh, yeah. care, right? Most, sure. most people want to stay in their house. Um, and, and that's certainly what I recommend. I know that's that's what I would like to do if that happens. Uh, so you want to make sure when you're preparing for this uh, that you've considered different scenarios. So whatever route you're choosing to take, uh, you know, provides you with the options that you're looking for. All right. 800-975-6717. That's a number you can call, folks. And so you said it, uh, happy wife, happy life, a couple of guys sitting around talking. It's kind of true, isn't it? It, you know what? I remember, <laughs> I remember when I heard that, heard that first time, I don't know, 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. And, 
And after I, at first I'm like, that just sounds silly. And then, I, but then I you think about it for a second and say, you know what? I think there's a lot of truth there. It really kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think if you're married, you, you'll probably, <laughs> you'll see That's the That's what wisdom. I'm saying. Yep. Uh, a couple you, you of know? married guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no question about it. And, uh, you know, so you remember the, I know when I started off in the business, um, we were always told there are two things, Kevin, you don't ever want to talk about with people in this business. You don't want to talk about politics and you want to avoid religion. And, and most people say that there's a third topic to avoid, which is money. <laughs> okay, well, so, money is exactly what you talk about. And that's, but you know, given that's what I do for a living, you know, we kind of, we kind of have, we kind of have to dive into that, you right. know, and discuss finances. Right. Yeah. And you know, but what we, what we see though, you know, is uh, um, one of the hardest things about being a financial advisor is if you sit down with a couple um, and they have different, different points of view, different ideas about how they want to invest. And a lot of times one of them will be willing to take more risk than the other. And it makes it very difficult because we've got to balance that um, because you can't, you know, I, I guess technically you could set up individual accounts for them and manage that according to their individual wishes. But considering most people look at their finances as jointly, you know, it's something that couples have to come together with. And the only way that you come together in terms of how much risk you want to take, what your objectives are, things like that. What are you trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and aside from time frame and, and things like that. So it's really the communication that is key, not just, you know, for different parts of your marriage. I remember I, I took a, you know, some psychology classes in college. And one of the things they always said, the number one thing that causes problems in a relationship is a lack of communication, period, number one. And the communication, and many times, is about money, right? Yes. And, and, and what, what surprised me, but what's, it's, it's so surprising to me, because, and it's because, I'm sure it's because of what I do, right? I talk about money all day, every day, in all aspects. And, and so it's always surprising to me when I sit down with a couple and they don't talk about it. They haven't talked about it. And then I think back about my parents, and in my household, they never spoke about money. And they did not, my parents did not believe in talking about money to the kids at all. And, and it made it harder, right? It made it harder for us. So I think that's, a, in my view, that's a mistake. Um, I think that if you start talking to your children at the earliest age possible about what it takes to earn that dollar that's buying whatever it is you're buying and start having conversations about money and saving and things like that, I think it's going to go a long way. And I think it's a mistake when people don't talk about it. Um, but we got, you know, I'm not, I wasn't here for, uh, you know, to give you advice on how to raise your children, right? No, of course um, not. <laughs> but as well, far as money goes, yeah. I do have a few ideas. Well, I mean, right? you know, it's, it's interesting. We were talking about this before the show. Some of these stats uh, that, uh, and it's part of a survey, and, and I mean, like this one, uh, only about 16% of couples surveyed feel they're financially compatible with their spouse. Is that a number that you agree with? You know, I, I found that shocking, actually shocking, um, yeah. because it's not what I run into. Now, now, obviously, you know, when you're first meeting somebody or getting to know somebody, you don't divulge everything, right? You don't, you don't dump all your biggest life secrets on them. So, so maybe they're withholding some information. Maybe they're not com being completely forthright with me. But, but in all honesty, I mean, we have conversations that go in depth with our clients and we really do everything. I do everything I can to get to know people as well as possible because what I've learned is if, if you make a mistake, if you, if a financial advisor misjudges, you know, how much risk they want to take and it works both ways. I've had some young investors come back and say, Hey, I want to make a lot of money. I want, you know, I want to be aggressive. You need to take more risk. And, and obviously folks that are retired are getting ready to retire. You know, they want to be more moderate. They want to be more cautious. They don't want to take those risks. 
And so the couples that I sit down with, we have in-depth conversations. And in a lot of cases, though, I will say, um, I, I guess to, today, today's generation probably would say it's old fashioned. Um, but I do have a lot of couples where the man usually makes the decisions for whatever reason that is, I'm not going to get into about right or wrong or anything like that. That's just what I've run into. Um, and, and I've, I've had a lot of situations where a married couple, they come to see me on the first meeting. And then after that, it's only the guy. So, so I don't know how many, you know, overall are still operating that way. Um, but if there, if there's anything, if one person is in charge and the other person agrees, he or she can, you know, maybe they got more education, they've got more background, they spent more time studying it. You know, maybe there are good reasons why they make that decision other than the gender. And, and so I think if they make that decision, they're comfortable with it, then that works for me. I, I'll, you know, that's fine. I'm fine with that. But if they both want to contribute, then they both have to be at all the meetings. And, and otherwise, it, it's, uh, it's just going to be uh, probably a bit, a bit chaotic. And so we want to we want to strategize, sit down with your advisor once you find somebody and you get started working with them. Hopefully you've made a good choice and it's somebody you can be with for the next couple the next couple of decades. OK, yeah. a lot. You know, a lot of my clients are, have been with me since the 90s. Uh, unfortunately, some of them have now started to pass away, um, but they're long term relationships. And I take a lot of pride in that because I have to think they're happy with how things are going or else they would have left a long time ago. Sure. And, and so I think it's important, though. But but no, Steve, some of these stats were shocking when I saw 16 percent. I'm saying, holy cow. Yeah, I, you know, I think uh, to me now, again, because of what I do, I think being financially compatible is one of the most important things to look for and to strive for. Uh, but I also saw that the same study, and I think it was done by Accenture, that yeah. says, yep. you know, they said 27 percent of couples argue at least one time a month, at least once per month. They're arguing over money. And I, and I said, holy cow, I, I guess I should be really happy and really grateful for my situation because we, we don't ever argue about money. And, and I, guess, I guess we're fortunate. But guys, if, if you're having these disagreements and they're coming up that frequently, I really think you should sit down with an advisor and, and, or, or, a, ther- or a, you know, a psychotherapist and, and, or a marriage counselor and help you work through these issues. Because it seems if I was getting in an argument once a month, I'd be divorced by now. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I mean, I'm just being honest. I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't stay with that relationship, um, you know, but people have different ideas about things. Right. Mm-hmm. So the point, the point though, is to make sure you have these discussions, especially, you know, a lot of these arguments that people are having has to do with budgeting. Right. Well, see, so, I can so, understand that because there's a, there, there is a disconnect, you know, sometimes between the couples in terms of the budget. In other words, what he thinks or, and what she thinks, well, yes. that, that's, that could be vastly different. That, that ties into with this last one here. It's my favorite line, uh, whether to spend for today or save for tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, hearing, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about that. And, and I believe these are people in their 20s. Excuse me. I believe in their early 20s. And, and a lot of them are saying uh, after going through COVID and the pandemic, you know, we don't know how long we're going to live. We don't know what direction the everything's going to go in this, on the planet, in this country. And so we just want to spend our money today. We want to have good experiences and we want to do it today. And they don't, they're, 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 they're not concerned about, they're right. not as concerned about tomorrow. And, and so, uh, but just be aware that's a very, that's a risky proposition, right? Because mm-hmm. if, if you do that for too long and you do live a long life, um, if you've been spending everything you make, you're not going to have any money. And life is going to get very difficult once you get into your 50s, 60s and beyond, uh, because your body is probably going to be telling you it wants to slow down and not work as much. But your brain is going to be telling you you have to keep on working because you didn't save any money when you're younger. So 
So be very careful with that. I certainly don't recommend it. What I would say is, you know what, if that's the situation, maybe just save a little bit less, but still save something. Maybe save 5% instead of 10. All right. But you should still be saving something. And, and, and especially when you're young guys, you know, I did, I, I wanted to mention if anybody is in their twenties or thirties or even forties, um, you know, and I'm jumping a little bit ahead of myself. One of the things that we, that we always encourage people to do is to put money into retirement accounts, right? Take advantage of retirement accounts, especially the 401k company match, because that's just free money. And you should definitely do that. What I want to talk about though, is, is how you should be considering in my humble opinion, uh, much more strongly, whether you want to make a contribution to your regular 401k or to a Roth 401k. All right. And I want to go back in history a little bit. And remember, I'm talking about younger people. If you're five years from retirement, it might or might not make sense. The key to me with the Roth and paying the tax bill now is that you've got a long time for it to grow tax free. So you get the benefit of the tax free growth. And so let's go back 20 years. Okay. Steve, do you have any idea where the S&P 500 was 20 years ago today? Not as high as it is today. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> that, that is definitely correct. Definitely correct. You're gonna get you're gonna get the applause from the uh, <laughs> was that Family Feud or something? We played yeah, last yeah week. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So anyway, guys, it was just below 900. The index wow, was really? was just yeah a little bit below 900 on May in in you know middle of May of 2003, 20 years ago, right? Yeah. And so if you look at it today, we're at just under 4,200. So what that means, if you put $20,000 into the S&P 500 20 years ago, know what it'd be worth? 95,000, almost 96. Wow. Okay. So let's, let's do a little bit of math here. I know everybody loves math. I do. Yeah. All right. So you took the deduction on your 20 grand, right? You didn't pay any tax on the 20 grand. Yep. So you got that tax deduction. Now it's grown to 95. Okay. So now you take that money out of your retirement account. Now you got to pay tax on the entire 95 grand. And you're not paying capital gains tax, guys, because in retirement accounts, when the money comes out, you pay income tax, not capital gains tax. All right. You're going to pay income tax on the, on the 95,000. So now you're going to pay income tax on 95,000. Let's say you're, let's say you're just in a 20, you're saying you're in a 20% tax bracket. Okay. Could be much higher, right? Much higher. 20% on 95,000 is what, 19,000, something like that? Yeah, so now you're like gonna that. have a nineteen, right? You're gonna have a nineteen thousand dollar tax bill to pay for the twenty thousand dollar deduction that using that same tax bracket saved you four grand. Okay, you put in twenty, you pay, you're paying twenty percent tax. You didn't pay it, so you save four grand, and now you're gonna pay nineteen. So which one do you think is a smarter move? Why don't you think about it this way? How about thinking about this like seed? Think about this like you're a farmer and you're planting a seed. And your seed is going to grow to a big crop. Okay. Do you want to pay the tax on the seed, AKA the original investment into your IRA or 401k? Do you want that tax deduction on that seed? Or would you rather have tax free money on the entire, would you rather grow the entire crop tax free? And, and to me, it, it, I think there's way too little attention being paid to this because people are, you're getting the deduction on the money you put in guys. And if you're young and it grows, like the S&P 500 did over the last 20 years, all right, over four times your money, you're going to wind up paying a heck of a lot more in taxes by taking that tax deduction now versus putting it into a Roth, paying the tax now, 
and letting that whole thing grow for the next two, three decades tax-free. Sure. All I right. mean, again, I, I, I had this conversation with my daughter and son-in-law. They're um, early 30s. They've got four kids. They've got more deductions than they know what to do with. And I said, hey, Adam, roll that money into a 401k and throw it in the Roth side. I mean, you know? Yes, yes. Because they don't need the deductions. For right? sure. And it- you, no, you, you know what? You, it, it all depends on somebody's individual circumstance, I know, right? I know. But, but, but in most cases, you could pay that tax bill. You could pay the tax bill. You just didn't want to. Right. right. Let's, exactly. let's face it. You just, you just didn't want to. I did it. I, I know. I, I, it was the same way. I said, you know what? Why should I pay it now if I can put it off? Because some people look at it like that old burden hand, you know? That, yep. You know, if, if, you know, if I got it now, why, why, why mess with it? But, but you need to look at the long term and, and, and ask yourself, if you're going to stay committed to that retirement plan, are you going to stay committed to it? Are you going to leave the money in? Are you going to keep it invested? If you are, seriously, grab a pen and paper or a calculator or however you do your math and go through the numbers. All right. Now I'm using the S&P 500's returns as an example. Obviously, there's no guarantee it's going to do the same thing. But I'll tell you what, there are, there's plenty of research out there about the, the historical returns of the market. And the research shows I, I, that... If I'm, I believe I'm, I'm like 99.9% sure there has never been a 20 year rolling period in history where you didn't make money with stock market. In other words, 20 years from today, I mean, I mean, going back 20 years from today or pick any other day, the you know, any other day of the year and go backward or forward 20 years, I mean, backward 20 years, the market's always went on, it's always went on and made money. And so the situation that I talked about earlier, May 8, the you know, middle of May of 2003, that was early uh, uh that was early um you know in the recovery and that does also include remember going from that point we saw a lot more volatility we saw um a big drop what 40 50 percent drop in 07 08 right yes that's go that's going through all of that right that's going through the covid pandemic mess we saw that's going through all the ups and downs of the market the key is just stay invested stay invested keep putting money in every paycheck and if you're younger or you have at least several years to retirement that you can let the money grow tax-free, I strongly, strongly recommend putting it into the Roth. Pay the tax now. Take the hit now. Pay the tax on the seed and let the rest of the crop grow tax-free. I like it. And uh, so, that I mean, that really gets into what it's all about. And th- th- getting back to that Accenture survey, um, let's see, on couples and finances, 51% of couples view their current advisor as a life coach. Do you? Do you see yes, yourself? Like, yes, do you yeah. see yourself in that role? You, you know, you, you know what I do. I do see myself in the role, but for some reason, I've never been a fan of the term. Um, you know. Oh, and, I understand. I, yeah, you don't have to use the term, but you yeah, can certainly but, be the guide. You can be the. Yes, and and that is, and I think part of the reason I don't really like the term is that over twenty years ago, probably twenty five years ago, one of the guys I used to work with, you know, I, I used to run a brokerage office with a lot of with a lot of reps, a lot of brokers. And one of them decided that he was going to start charging an annual retainer to his clients because he considered them his life coach or to be the life coach for them. <laughs> and, and I said, I said, so they're going to pay you. They're going to pay you a monthly fee okay, to answer questions uh, about various things that come up financially in life. And, and I just thought there was a ripoff. I said, you should do that anyway. I said, that's just, you should, that's that should be crazy. part of what you're doing, just being their advisor. And, and so that's probably where it came from. But, but what, I, what I'm getting at, what I'm trying to say is that any advisor, any financial advisor you work with, you should be able to talk to them about anything financial, all right? And there shouldn't be any extra fees. I don't charge anything extra for that. I'm, you know, I'm, and I encourage my clients to talk to me, you know, before, before if, it's about a, if it's about taking on a mortgage or if it's about 
getting home insurance or auto insurance or car insurance or any other type. I don't, I don't, I don't sell those types of insurance. I'm not doing it because I can get paid from it. I'm doing it because I want them to get the best deal that they can get. All right. Same thing with mortgages. I don't don't do mortgages. I'm not a lending guy. All right. But I can certainly help you find the best terms. And, and I've got a client right now. She's asking me to help her find the best place to park some money in a savings account. Right. And, and so, um, so these are things your advisor should be able to help you out with and should be willing to help you out free of charge uh, just to, to, to do the best they can to get you in the best financial footing possible. And, and so I think that's something everybody should do, whether you call them a life coach or her life coach or not, they should be there to help you with all of your financial decisions, decisions throughout your life. Well, and again, it's like you said before, it's a long-term proposition and that's, it's a long-term relationship. So, you know, coach, no coach, you know, friend, uh, family member. I mean, you know, you can take all of those roles. Any right. Whatever, whatever role. Yes. That's 100%. And that's the thing that, that I think a lot of people don't realize or don't think about is that, you know, a financial advisor can help you out with many, many different issues. It's not just your investment portfolio. There's a lot of other things that come up, you know, it could be any, any number of things, depending on where you're at, you know, in your life, you know, are you just starting off or are you in the middle of your career? Are you getting ready to retire? And, and obviously we focus on retirement. Um, that's my focus and my practice is retirement, but I do have younger clients that have come from referrals of, you know, my existing clients. And I'm happy to help out with anything. In fact, one of the one of the programs that I've done, uh, I used to do college planning, and it was it was called late stage financial planning. And what that means is that parents have a kid that's in high school, and they really haven't done much to you know put away money for college. Yep. So we we call that late stage because there's only a couple. You know, you might only have three four years left before they go to college, and they're trying to figure out how they can reduce their costs, uh, how they can reduce what we call that EFC, E E as in expected. F as in family and C as in contribution. That is the expected family contribution that comes from that FAFSA, the F-A-F-S-A paperwork that everybody fills out when they apply for college and they're looking for financial aid. Those are the, That's the paperwork you fill out, guys. And when you go through that paperwork, if you have a high income, what you're going to notice is that the government expects you to basically pay for all the college. Sure. You know, the, the, you know, the irony is that if you have a low income but a high net worth, there's actually more loopholes that you can get around to reduce your contribution, and it's versus a high income, no net worth. There, there, the formula says they have to pay. So, so it's another twisted, in my opinion, <laughs> a twisted rule. Yeah, no kidding. Um, that's not exactly fair, you know. Um, but if you're in that situation with low income and higher net worth, there are things you can do if you're trying to figure out how to reduce your contribution for your child's college, and I'd be happy to help you with that. That's so. My point is, we can help with other things, that's something that we can help with um, in addition to, you know, helping manage your retirement portfolio. And again, that makes me think about uh, estate planning. You certainly have some connections there and can hook us up with a, with a lawyer or two. Yes, yes, I definitely can. And, and, and for that, you know, that, that actually, Steve, is one area I don't like to talk too much about estate planning. I can talk about the basics, but I'm not an attorney. Sure. That's, and, well, that's and, what I mean. But you've, you've yes, got connections so, with them, some. Yes, I have, I have guys, that people that I've worked with that I know that have done a good job that clients have told me they're very happy with. And I'm happy to refer you to them uh, to make sure you get your documents put in place properly. Uh, one thing I will say, I remember back in, you know, me and my wife moved from Illinois to Arizona in 2011. So we've been here for you know several years now, um, but I remember back in Illinois, and this is probably 20 years ago as well, uh, there was all kinds of articles coming out, I, I want to say in the Chicago Tribune, and they were talking about trust mills. They call them trust mills. Trust mills, what's that? A trust mill is a situation where you have attorneys and other people 
that have seminars and they, they might call it a workshop where you come in and they talk about, you know, um, different aspects of estate planning and they give you horror stories. And a lot of times they talk about celebrities that died with a whole ton of money, but they didn't have any paperwork in place. And so they wound up in probate. Uh, and there are, I can't think of the celebrities right now, but there's some big, big names uh, that did that did exactly that. Prince and is it, one. And there you go. And it locked up, you know, and it becomes a night. The only people that like that are the attorneys because the attorneys, <laughs> yep. the attorneys are making a lot of money going through probate. Right. And so, but the point the article had is that it's saying, listen, guys, everybody doesn't need a trust. All right. And a lot of these, these companies that put on those, those shows where they're selling trusts um, is they say everybody, you know, it's like everybody needs a trust. And so it's important to recognize what you're trying to accomplish because a trust can be a very powerful tool. It can be very, a very good thing to have, but it depends the situation you're in. Uh, a lot of times, for instance, people with special needs kids, you know, maybe you have somebody that you want to leave money to and you want it to, you want it to go to them on a monthly basis instead of a lump sum. Maybe they're, uh, what do they call them? Spendthrift or something. They'll, you, uh, um, you're worried about them blowing the money, right? Yeah, right. Of course. Yeah. And, and so you don't want to give it, you don't want to give them half a million dollars at once. You'd rather give them 50 grand a year for 10 years, maybe. Um, and so there are things you can do with a trust that'll, that'll help you to do that. But there's also other documents. There, there are companies that I work with that have what are called restricted payouts to beneficiaries. And it's their own internal document that you fill out um, and, and we complete. And it says, yeah, you, you only want to pay, you know, Mary Jo gets X, X amount of money every month, right? And it's a restricted payout. And, um, but it's free. There's no cost to it. All right. So, so there are other avenues. A lot of times you might be able to go down that accomplish the same goal, um, uh, that don't cost you, you know, thousands of dollars that a trust could, but in order to figure out, obviously you need to sit down with a qualified attorney and have the conversation to see if it's something that, uh, is a fit for you and something you need. Absolutely. 800-975-6717. There's the number to call folks. You can also visit the website, silverleaffinancial.com, silverleaffinancial.com. So when, when you sit down with them, what kinds of things or what kinds of topics should a, should a couple be prepared to talk about? I know about money, but you know, yes. any specifics, any things that we really, that you really, that makes your life easier because we've told you what we know. Well, I tell you what, the, uh, the, the first, well, the first, the first meeting you will initially, I always, we always start off with a short phone call, right? We just start yep. off with a short phone call to see if somebody wants to come in 10, 15 minutes on the phone and you'll have an idea whether you want to sit down face to face and commit more time. So then we sit down face to face that first meeting, we're just trying to get to know each other. Mm -hmm. And, and so, so it, it, it'd be unusual for, I, I always kind of, kind of step back a little bit when somebody says, I always, you know, I, other advisors will say, I want them to bring everything. I want you to bring your tax returns to our first meeting. And I'm saying, man, that's, that seems like a lot to me to ask. Yeah, I, I think that to me, that's too much um, because that's confidential information. You're showing him your social number. You're showing him every, your tax return has everything, right? Yes. And so, so I like to get to know people a little bit in the first meeting, just get to know each other, find out what they're trying to accomplish, a little bit about their history and the family, things like that. Um, but then when we go forward with our meetings, that is when we're going to be asking you to, br to bring in your statements of your different accounts, right? Whatever it is you want to discuss or your retirement accounts, your 401k, your IRA, your 403b whatever it might be. Uh, that's what we want to talk about and get a handle on it. If you know exactly what you have, then, then that's great. Um, but statements are usually better because it, it's really easy to, to, to reference it and see exactly, you know, for instance, how much you're paying in fees, you know, what type of risk you're taking. Do you have what, what I call concentration risk? Um, for instance, I met, I met an individual many years ago. He had retired from Caterpillar 
And he went to a big brokerage firm and the broker recommended seven different mutual funds. They were all class A mutual funds, which means he paid an upfront commission or a load. Um, and what the broker did is he split it so that the client received no discounts on commission because he put it in seven different fund families, right? Oh man. And you see guys, and see guys, that's something most, most people don't know um, or a lot of people don't know, but if you have, let's say more than a hundred grand and you invest it with one company, right? And so you invest 250 or 300, half a million dollars, you're going to pay a lower, you're going to pay a lower percentage commission or load um, if you go that route. Now, personally, I, I don't do the load funds. I, I don't charge loads. I don't, I don't recommend them. Um, but my point is that's where this client was. And, but when I looked at it and I analyzed the funds, I determined that they're all large company growth funds. So all seven of his funds were buying the same stacks. Oh my okay? gosh. And, and this guy was getting, friends, this guy was getting paid on every single one. Oh, he's getting paid full commission on every single one because Sheesh. he, because the commissions at that time were like, I want to say five or five and a half percent below a hundred grand. And then at a hundred, they might've went to four and then maybe a two fifty go to three and then a half a million, maybe go to two. And this guy had over half a million dollars that he invested with him. Um, and so he could have, I mean, the, the broker charged him something like $15,000 in excess commissions um, that the client should not have had to pay. And, and I told the client about this. I don't, now, now I don't like to, you know, uh, to instigate or to initiate or I, I don't solicit somebody to say, go file a complaint against this guy. Yeah. Um, but it's really hard not to because that I, I hate it when I see that because there's plenty of people that already don't have a high, don't have a very high opinion, let's say, of the financial advisors and, and idiots like that, that are taking advantage of people. They just make it bad for everybody else in the industry that's trying to do it the right way. And, and so there is a part of me that does want to complain and get the client to complain against him. Cause I'd like to get the guy out of the business because he shouldn't be able to do that. Um, you know, but, but I, I approach it. I try to be very cautious because I don't want to be seen as soliciting complaints. I just don't, it's, it's, a, it's, uh, it's an uncomfortable situation. Oh, sure. And, but I think it's important that people realize, realize this because unfortunately, unfortunately the client just went ahead. He trusted him. He didn't, he didn't get a second opinion. He didn't talk to anybody else about those specific investments before he made them. Uh, and then after a couple of years go by, he, he did this in the end of the nineties, it started off well. And then the crash happened in 2001 and 2000, 2001 and two, and he lost something like 40% of his money. So, uh, so it's, it's, so the moral of the story is that, you know, when you sit down with an advisor, there's many things that they should be looking at. Risk is one of the things we talk about broadly. And this specifically is what's what we call concentration risk, because there was too much money concentrated in one specific area of the market uh, that when that market, when that sector or that area goes out of favor, it's going to hurt. And unfortunately, that's what happened to him. Man. <clears throat> but again, obviously, this was some time ago. And, and um, are those kinds of things, do you think they're still happening? Well, yeah, unfortunately, I know they are. I know they are. There, oh. was, um, there was a story just this week, this week's paper, uh, or I shouldn't say paper, I read it on the computer. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but, you know, but, but there was an article out this week um, gosh, what was the name? Of it? Okay. So what happened was these, these guys were running a scam and they were selling gold. They were selling gold and silver bars and coins, and they were targeting, um, Republican leaning older individuals that, uh, a lot of 
folks on the far right believe that they, you know, they think that the U.S. dollar could crash. They think our nation is falling apart. Uh, they think interest rates could go sky high. They're worried about a lot of things happening to the economy, and, and a lot of them, I believe, are, are being preyed upon by individuals because the people that are selling gold and silver, a lot of them use that fear, okay, fear of the stock market. They're telling them, oh, you could lose all, you could wake up tomorrow and half your retirement account is gone. You need to put it in gold or silver. And then what they did is they found this silver coin that they were able to uh, somehow control the market on, and, and they, were marking, they were marking up the price over 100%, guys, over 100% oh my market. gosh. Okay. That they were selling, they raised, they they ripped off people of thirty five million dollars over a five year span, um, and they were doing it by selling gold and silver at hugely inflated prices, and uh, so it's just it's another lesson, unfortunately, that you want to be, and and I think we've talked before. I think the media, I think uh, there's a lot, there's some channels you turn on, and they'll scare the crap out of you if you just watch them. I'll, you know, if if you spend a few hours watching it, you'll, they'll scare the crap, out, they'll scare the heck out of you. Yeah, and 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 I and I think there needs to be more attention paid to it. I think. I think it's causing a lot of problems, one of which uh, is putting seniors in a position that they're afraid of traditional markets. They think they need to turn to gold. And then there's these, you know, scumbag out there that will prey on them that know that's how they feel. And so they'll pitch you on it. They'll reinforce the ideas that you're scared, afraid of. And they're going to sell you something where they double the price on it. And you have no idea. Uh, and unfortunately, it winds up costing a lot of money. Wow, that's uh, that's really not uh, not pleasant. But uh, I mean, again, and seniors are often preyed upon for the very reason. And and my guess is that would be, well, what I would say is, folks, if you're wondering if you've got questions, if that if something like that doesn't feel quite right, call Kevin. I mean, you and, know. And and I'm and I'm gonna I'm gonna say even even if it does feel right. Get a second. Get another opinion. Get another okay? opinion. Okay. Get another. Get another opinion from somebody that's not in the same field. In other words, don't go from one gold guy to another gold guy. Okay. In other, you know, don't go from somebody selling gold, one guy selling gold and silver, to another person selling gold and silver, because they could very well give you the same answers. Because because it suits their objective of selling you what they want to sell. So you should talk to people that are, have different backgrounds and have different favorite investments. So maybe talk to a stockbroker. Maybe talk to a bond broker. Maybe talk to a gold guy and and maybe an insurance guy or something or a person, something like that. Yeah. So you get different perspectives and that's going to open up your mind to the different possibilities. All right. Well, I like that. Kevin, we have uh, really sort of exhausted our time here. Yeah. You know what? I I went by kind of fast. It really did. uh, Yes. Yeah. So listen, I I hope, I hope you guys found found this information helpful. You know um, I did, I did want to mention that, you know, uh, if, if what we're talking about is struck a chord and you want to be certain you're on the right path uh, for your own plan, then give us a call. You know, we, we keep a few openings on our calendar just for our listeners. We do this to make sure you understand where you're at with your retirement and the options that you have so you can make informed decisions going forward. So please give me a call. I'd be happy to help you out. It's 800-975-6717, 800-975-6717. You can also visit the website, Silverleaf Financial, and accomplish the task there. Kevin, I, yes, this is always fun. I love this. one of my favorite hours of the week. I mean, just it just goes by so quick, and, you know, I'm always uh, scrambling to keep up. Oh, <laughs> Steve, I, I appreciate it. It's one, one of my favorite hours, hours as well. And, guys, you know, please feel free to give me your feedback. Let me Provided this for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. 
There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, hosts, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment services offered through Silverleaf Financial, members FINRA SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decisions. Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise and create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today.